I'm here in Vancouver. This is Amita Switlow with QSO VSO West. Um, I work in Western region of Canada and Western United States. And so I don't often get to meet all our alumni as they travel from different parts of Canada to different parts of the world. So once in a while, I get one in Vancouver right in my own office. And his name's Dan Garvey. Hi, Dan. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And where do you live, Dan? I live um, northwest of uh, Edmonton, Alberta, uh, in a little town called Barhead. Barhead. And you just recently did us a favor. You did some outreach for us to a, um, a little conference with young people. Right. And where was that? That was a, um, a global youth symposium sponsored by Red Cross and it was it was done in uh, the YWCA camp okay. on Lake Wabaman which is by Fallis which is west of Edmonton and was it beautiful there? it was raining it was miserable, <laughs> miserable. <laughs> <laughs> wet uh, oh well we'll get past Just that part <laughs> But anyway, thank you. But it for can be beautiful. <laughs> thank you for doing that for us. It's really fantastic when volunteers return from the field and help us with public engagement because I can't be everywhere. And anyway, you have the experience in the field that I don't have. Mm -hmm. So, in the field, where did you serve? Uh, in the Gambia. In the Gambia. In West Africa. And people get confused with this country they keep thinking it's somewhere else right mm. tell me what where in west africa what countries are next to the gambia it's surrounded on three sides by senegal yes and the west side of course the atlantic so okay. it uh, it's <coughs> borders north and south borders the gambia river therefore the name and it's a, a very narrow strip of land on both sides of the Gambia River. Is it very productive land? Um, not really, mm -hmm. no. Uh, they're, they're working towards uh, agricultural self-sufficiency, but it's a, a long way off. What year were you there? I was there this year from the end of January until the 5th of July. So you were in on a short-term I was on a short-term. It was a bridging of, of uh, two long-term placements. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. And when, before you went to the Gambia, Dan, you're not 25 years old, I see. <laughs> You'll see in the photo. He's a distinguished man. Um, where did you, what was your expertise? What have you been doing your life? I started off as a teacher, and uh, I consider myself still a teacher. Um, half my career was spent in educational administration, and uh, the last part of my career was working with the Alberta Teachers Association in um, professional development. Oh, okay. And so... And I've been retired now for six years. Fantastic. You're more the profile of the of our alumni, you know, that have come back than those that left in the 60s. You know that <laughs> they look they were 21. <laughs> right. Around 19. Some was one Rosamond was 16. Mm. So you're you're an example of our new alumni because you have life experience and you've gone to share some of that. So did you actually share some of your experience or what did you do there? <laughs> um the the um, 
placement was technical advisor for the Ministry of Education in the Standards and Quality Assurance Directorate, which <clears throat> would be akin to uh, our 1960-era inspectorate. Oh. And so it was uh, providing advice to the directorate that was responsible for monitoring and evaluation of school programs and schools in general. So did you have the opportunity to go to schools in the Gambia? I did. See? I did. I visited... Uh, we had a project going, so it was my job to, to work with one of my colleagues and visit uh, the main Region 1 schools. And so I spent some time <clears throat> both at the uh, Region 1 head office as well as getting right out into the classrooms. Wow. And how old were the children in the classrooms? We went to, we spread it out so we were in a primary school as well as a um, senior secondary school and everything between. So it was kindergarten to grade 12, okay. or the equivalent of our grade 12. So Dan, I'm from Uganda originally mm -hmm. and I remember the education in Uganda. I know at the time that we left in 1973 was far superior to or far advanced to the Canadian system. So when I came to Canada, I was supposed to be in grade 9, I ended up in grade 12. What are the education levels like in the Gambia now? They're struggling. They're struggling because of the uh, of a number of things. One is um, the Millennium Goal was to increase the population in the schools, to get more kids into school. Oh. And so um, they've done that. In fact, they've done a, such a good job of it, they surpassed their target in the Gambia. And uh, they had a better um, response than any of the sub-Saharan countries. So they, right now, they have about 90, mid-90% 90 of, of children in schools. My goodness! And which creates other problems uh, in the infrastructure. Yes. And so now they, they're finding with all these children in school, they don't have room for them. So in some cases, they're double-shifting the, the school so that there's a morning shift, afternoon shift. There's um, overcrowding in the classrooms. We have uh, grade 1 classes as high as 60 students and split classes of 45 or 50. Um, lack of uh, materials, resources, uh, textbooks, furniture. Uh, schools themselves, and uh, a severe lack of uh, qualified teachers. And in order to now get more teachers into the classrooms, they've done away with um, the entrance exam to the uh, teacher training college in Dakama. Oh, uh -huh. And you have now the um, opportunity as an unqualified teacher, if you've passed uh, three classes in grade 12, that gives you the right then to be an unqualified teacher. And so <clears throat> we're getting uh, another problem presenting itself in that many of the teachers haven't got the necessary skills to, to uh, teach academic subjects. And so rather than teaching them pedagogy, the college is now teaching them basic math and English. And um, we're getting teachers out there that uh, are not uh, conversant with uh, pedagogy in terms of how to teach what they're supposed to teach. That's what the word means? Yeah. 
how to teach what you're supposed to teach. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, oh my God, they're not familiar. I'm not familiar with this word. Not being from education. So, uh, how many months were you there? I was there five months. I was supposed to be there six, and uh, I came home about three weeks early because of a medical problem, medical condition. Are you all right now? Yep. Yep. Everything's Your wife back. okay? Yep. All right. Yeah. All right. And, 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 yeah, speaking... Speaking in general terms, um, I was there by myself. My wife had uh, chosen to stay behind because of the, the short duration. But I certainly wouldn't have been able to to do this volunteer um, placement unless I had the support of the people that were behind me, the people that stayed behind. Um, Thank you. Family. Yeah, our family. Uh, my son, who lives south of us with his family, okay. took over the yard maintenance and um, you know general upkeep of the of the house. And uh, you know my our two daughters were supportive of my wife and her family as well. So although I was doing the placement, I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not had the support and the comfort. And of knowing that people at home were well taken care of. So to all the Garveys out there <laughs> in Alberta and around the world, thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's a good point. Now, when you were ill, um, did QSO VSO respond well and get you out of there? I I can't I'm, I'm yeah I I can't I can't say enough about the uh, the infrastructure. Okay. Of QSO VSO. Um, not only in getting me out of there quickly and and being concerned and, and set up the the flights and everything else but just generally responsive to the needs of the volunteers um, in any of, of the emails I sent there was a response within a day and a half you know we were not sitting around waiting and waiting and waiting for the shoe to fall to find out what was going on um, even if there wasn't any information, the response was there saying, we're still working on this, and, and we, we expect uh, some delay, but we're working on it. Okay. So it was, it was very positive. Um, That's one of the thing I've, things I've heard about people that go on kind of volunteerism kind of projects, that this infrastructure is not there, and when things fall apart, it really does fall mm -hmm. apart. So I want to go back, and I know this is really not part of what happened with you, but I'll go back to 1961 when QSO VSO first be became, well QSO became um, an organization formally. They were arguing about this, this idea about sending people and needing infrastructure, needing this kind of thing, and then one young lady stood up in the meeting of all the university presidents together and said, you know, if I get, I've done volunteer work overseas, but if I get sick, who takes care of me if you're all separate and different, right? And at that moment, the, um, the, the organization came to fruition because they understood from a volunteer perspective, that's important. Right. You want, and your family's perspective, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, they, they wanted some assurance that I was going to be you know, taken care of if yeah. anything happened. Yeah, right? So, the Gambia, uh, the language, what was the language? The language of business, because uh, the historic uh, English colony background was, mm -hmm. was English, mm -hmm. um, in the large metropolitan area called the, the Combo, 
it was uh, Wolof. Wolof. And um, outside of that was Mandinka. Mandinka. Well, now I've heard of this language. I'm probably from Hollywood. Bad, bad <laughs> Mandinka. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and there was other others as well. There was um, some other tribal languages, but the two, or the three, were <coughs> English, um, Wolof, and Mandinka. So, Dan, when you look back at your five months of service, um, what do you what did you come home with? A better understanding of um, of developing countries, a better understanding of how privileged we are here in Canada. Um, a, a different sense of what is success, a different uh, sense of um, you know, what we've accomplished, um, a different sense of social justice, um, equity, fairness. Yeah. I think um, that's what I came back with. A sense of um, of how to establish and value relationships mm. and uh, you know what's important in your life that x factor of happiness the, yeah. the yeah. contentment mm-hmm. it's funny like when you think about countries in africa and the people i know that i've spoken to a lot of return volunteers and that's a huge part of what they come back with even though they may have a, not have a lot in terms of material mm. The spirit is amazing, isn't yeah. it? You, you've mentioned the, the term alumnus, and, and I don't consider myself an alumnus. How come? Because I'm, I'm still in weekly contact with my colleagues over there. Mm. Um, they, we email back and forth. I've, I've sent them uh, materials and websites for um, educational websites that they can use. I've just uh, collected a, a number of... Um, leadership, uh, educational leadership materials and resources that I've packaged up and sent them over because they don't have that sort of professional library or access to it. Um, when I get back next week, I'm going to go in and beg, borrow, steal, and, and bully <laughs> some of my ex-colleagues at the Alberta Teachers Association to provide us with uh, other materials and resources that they've got in abundance and often duplicated and I'm packaging those up and sending them off as well. You know this is this is so special I think and I will I will continue to call you an alumnus because <laughs> you will probably go back and what be another uh, return uh, return volunteer in the field. But I'll say that our partners in the field they they're the connection that you have with them never really ends. Right. And I see that from the 60s until now, and this passion. And you know what? I think it's called continued development mm-hmm. and long, dis- long, uh, what do you say? long distance learning mm-hmm. for you and them. Right. Really? Yeah. Um, one of the things that was very satisfying, outside of the placement, and oftentimes that's, that's as an advisor, you struggle through with... with um, things that you wonder if you're making any changes or attitudes change or or, um, bureaucracy has changed when you leave. One of the things that that we did over there, I did, and and with the help of my wife back home, was I connected the parish, the church parish that I was attending in the Gambia, Uh with the um, church in Barhead. 
and the church in the Gambia, Blessed Sacrament, was trying to construct a series of meeting rooms, and they had just a thatched overhang with a couple benches, and they were trying to build an auxiliary building. And so when I arrived there, they had a concrete shell. And so I emailed my wife and the, the parish priest back in, in Alberta. And they did a one-time collection after church. And then my wife forwarded the money to me. And then we um, completed the building. And on June 14th, the Bishop of Banjul came and blessed the building. And it was completed. And he cut the ribbon. And uh, it was all tiled and painted. And the glass windows were in. And the doors were on. And the roof was up. And so it was a sense of accomplishment and, and having some played some part in that. So you, you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And um, you can put a little tick in that box and move on. Now, did you, wasn't there an article in your church's magazine yeah, about Yeah, it was that? the um, Western Catholic Reporter. Western, yes, I saw that. And thank you for doing that uh, that piece there because, you know, it really is important that people know of our work, and, mm -hmm. and again, that's public engagement. Right. And uh, whether it be through your personal experience, through your religion and faith, mm. and your professional experience, it sounds like you fulfilled a lot of different things. Yeah, I had, I had, uh, I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> yeah, that's was, the best. It was fun. <laughs> Will you go back again to another assignment? Um, I would consider it if. If, if it was different, and if my wife had an opportunity to be with me, be and then you know, with her background in teaching and education, if there was some active role that she could play as well. Often spouses come, and there isn't an active role at that time, but they mm. develop one. And I have quite a few podcasts with a few of them that actually went there and said, "Okay, I'm going to make myself available." <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they got better jobs than their mm -hmm. husbands or the other partners. Well, one of the things that you know that that we have to remember is that who, whoever volunteers over there, mm -hmm. uh, out of country, have a support network at home, be it parents, be it uh, spouses, boyfriends, girlfriends, aunts, uncles. Um, you know, there's that support network that allows them and, and gives them permission, I think, to do that work. So I, I'll just uh, summarize, you know, social capital right. can be used in many ways. We yeah. pay our taxes, CETA supports some of our work, social capital, our communities can make a, a difference directly, social capital that they use family and friends to help support others mm -hmm. going overseas. Right. I have friends I haven't used yet. <laughs> we look forward <laughs> to see what you'll do with them. <laughs> so Dan Garvey. Thank you for, on behalf of Kiso VSO, thank you for serving us in the Gambia. And we look forward to see you coming back again. And please remain a good alumnus of our organization <laughs> okay. and stay in touch. Thank you for this opportunity. Oh, any last words? No. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day.